Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, welcome back my good friend Zawadi Morris. She is an award-winning journalist and Chicago native who moved to Brooklyn in 1997. In December of 2013, under the original media group, Zawadi launched The Brooklyn Reader, an online news source covering the neighborhoods of central Brooklyn. She also likes to design and sew, and in 2004, was named one of Brooklyn's top 20 designers by NRG Magazine. Also welcome back, my young star, Noye Brown-West. Noye is a New York-based Nigerian-American comedian and writer. She's been featured in the Boston Globe's Rise column as a comic to watch, and we agree, as well as in NPR, PBS, ABC, Sway in the Morning, and the New York Comedy Festival. Noye made her acting debut in The Sympathy Card, now available for streaming on Vudu, Apple, Amazon, and Google Play. Welcome back, my other young star, Nina Karuthi. She is a serious XM radio producer and comedian and journalist. She is the author of the book, I Am a Princess Too, which is about a young Muslim who wears her hijab and is just trying to live a normal life. Do you live in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I'll be there August 27th for the Blue Whale Comedy Festival. At August 27th, if you live near Tulsa, Oklahoma, go and see me. I'll be headlining there. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us there on Apple Podcasts. It's very important. Do it. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friends like us podcast at gmail our instagram is friends like us podcast and twitter is friends like us 10 become more than a friend leave us a tip or donation by going to our patreon page go to patreon backslash friends like us special shout out to our patreon friends especially stacy who joined us backstage during our recording yes live that is a new feature only available to our patreon friends go to our site and become a golden friend merch is available we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks and tank tops they're all available just go to my website marinafranklin.com weekly on my youtube channel i go live with my assistant evelyn frick and my wacky friend dave Juska. we give updates to the show that's every saturday we shout out fans who leave reviews and we have a surprise guest friend from the podcast stop by this week we had my other assistant celine share some really important information and she was wonderful so check it out we even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows and with friends like us it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands wear a mask still if you want to get vaccinated booster up and black lives matter Yes. And welcome to Friends Like Us. Today's guest, this is really good show. We have Zawadi. See Zawadi Morris. And we have Noye Brown West. As I like to call her, the teacher's pet. Uh oh. (laughs) And Nina Karuthi. Finally. Without her uh, computer that was wet, but she's 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 in a studio and she's good to go. Yes, you guys. And we also have a new feature today where our friends who are really supportive of the podcast can actually view us recording in real time. 
So they see all of the ins and outs and they get to see all the, even the stuff that I may take out, you get to see it in real time. So I just want to thank you for being a Patreon friend. Stace, thank you so much for joining us. And um, you get to comment. We'll try to get to your comments. This is a feature for you. If you're, if you were wondering how you could support friends like us, go to our Patreon page, send us a donation. You do have to be a certain tier in order to be backstage. You have to be golden, okay? Yeah. This is why I put this group together. I've been talking to all of you I in and out, and I think this is good chemistry. Zawadi, I've just been seeing you working out in the gym, living your life. We're of the same generation. They always, it seems like this squad cast always puts the certain age group up top. <laughs> <laughs> and the youngest are always on the bottom. So what's up, Zawadi? How how are we doing in our golden age? How are you feeling? Oh, my goodness. Listen, let me tell you guys both. I know it feels like it's a long ways away, but I'm a woman of a certain age going through the change. OK, and um, I felt like I was 25 yesterday, like literally yesterday. No exaggeration. So the one thing that they don't talk about, they talk about our periods till we're blue in the ears, like when we're 12, 13, we hear about it. They do not talk about like that second change that happens. And so I'm like traumatized by it. Like seeing things <laughs> in my life, like completely run off without my permission, you know, <laughs> um, you know, just being comfortable in my skin and um, learning to deal with just life changes and still push forward. You know, that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, don't have, you know, Marie, I don't have the same energy that um, I usually, you know, I pop up in the mornings at 4.30 and run to the gym and have so much on my plate. And these days I'm like, uh, uh. Oh, yeah. 4.30 <laughs> though. <Ooh>. Yeah. <laughs> For those, those comics, look at Nina's face. Nina was like 4.30. I would go to sleep at 4.30. Right? Sometimes I'm up at 4.30, but only if I have the road, like, get on the road for something. I get a good flight or a train or a bus. <laughs> I'll tell you what, these two are the best in the comedy scene young and coming up because they have a lot of respect for the older comics and they're just they're kind and they're talented so that's why i also have them here but and they listen you know like so when you say when you hear us say like like i've started to actually look at older older people and have a lot more empathy for them because i realize they too don't feel any different their age is like, they probably also feel like they're just 20 years old. And I know that's hard for you to believe, but that's why sometimes you see them having those parties and it's like old music because it brings them back to the age that they still feel. Yeah. I mean, it's an existential experience to, um, in your head, be the same age and then watch your body. It's like almost a cartoon. Watch watch yourself change. Like, wait a minute, hold up. Like, we didn't talk about this, um, you know, internally and externally. And it's like, I'm actually outside of myself watching myself change. Like, what is happening here? I did not, you know, prepare myself for it. And, and people don't talk about it. Like your arms, you have body parts that hurt. They don't talk about that. You know, when you get ready to have your, your cycle, you've got cramps. Of course, they talk about that. But you have actual body parts. You wake up in the morning and you're like aching, like for no reason. Yeah, the back. It's, cr it's crazy. Yeah. And if you it's still crazy. have, I don't have a cycle. I've stopped. Yeah, I don't have one either. I'm in menopause. I have no uterus. 
Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. So, you know, so you, you might've gone through, if you, if you had a hysterectomy, you might've gone through I did. You know, an early, you know, I went, menopause. I went, I went through a, a medically induced menopause that then I had to go through a second puberty after because I kept my ovaries. So they like turned my ovaries off to shrink my uterus because they wanted to take it in one piece. And it was huge. It was like very swollen with fibroids and endo. So to shrink my uterus, they gave me the drugs that induce a menopause. So I had it for like, oh man, Marina, we met around that time, I think. I had it for maybe a month and a half before the surgery. And then maybe a month and a half after the surgery, I had like a second puberty. My butt got bigger. Boobs got bigger. I was, <laughs> it was weird because yeah. my ovaries were working again and it felt, it was, I had pimples, but yeah. Wow. What was, was the drug that gave you? Do you know? It was, was it I don't remember. Remedex? I don't remember what the drug was called, but it's definitely on my file somewhere. I'll look it up and I'll, I'll tell you what it was. But yeah, it was to shrink. What they were trying to do is to shrink uh, the uterus to as small as they could get it to take it all out in one piece. Yeah. See, these are the types of things like we don't as women, we should talk about more. You know, like I said, they talked us to we're blue in the ear about our periods. And I was like, OK, you know, when it was happening, I was like, I get it. And it's like we don't talk about the issues that happen afterward and the other you know, things that we have to deal with, like the fibroids. We don't we're not like always so transparent about it. And, you know, I wish I had someone 20 years older than me, 20 years ago, really talk frankly to me about how to prepare and what to consider and what to think about. Because now I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even you know, me, I'm, I'm just still I'm just learning about all this kind of issues that women face. And I'm like, wait, you had what? Wait, wait, what does that mean? Do, do I have something like that? Like all my friends saying that they've been diagnosed with like endo and stuff. I had no idea what that was. And I've, I have really bad cramps when I get my period. And I'm like, oh, that's not normal. I thought that was what was supposed to happen. So it's just still a learning process. Even I'm almost 30 and I'm still learning. I spent years thinking that my short periods with like a lot of flow and a lot of pain were normal. And then even recently, I've, I got a hysterectomy when I was, um, I think I was like 29. And it's been like six years. And I just found out from somebody that that is a symptom of endo. So I had the, these symptoms my whole life. Just thought I was lucky because I had a quick period. You but, thought it was luck. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> I was like, oh, two day periods. Yeah, they hurt. I can't leave the house. And, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of blood. But two days, that's great, right? And I found out that the whole time my body was telling me something was wrong. Yeah, the fact that they keep us in the dark of women's health and now that we have Roe versus Wade being returned is so, it's such a, America's goal is to keep us dumb and then women even dumber about their own health, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I also, like what Zawadi was saying, like when you, you know, this is like, um, I met with my herbalist, and he was putting, he puts me on this tea that I take for my hot flashes. And so that I don't get as angry at people as I want to, or as I am going to be, because that's what menopause, it causes real anger, right? And <laughs> the Remedex that they were going to put me on for breast cancer is, uh, he called it castration, female castration. Wow, that's aggressive. 
But, you know, that is kind of what menopause is, feels like. You know, I have no urge, like sexual urges. Like two years ago, I was like, I got to find someone. <laughs> I need somebody in my bed. And now I'm like, I don't want anyone in my bed or inside <laughs> me at all. Like I have no, and, and it's a joke amongst like a comedian. He, he keeps saying to me, Marina, you're, you're, you're a lesbian, which he doesn't even understand how offensive what he's doing, but whatever. But I always go, no, I am going through the, I'm going through the actual change. I'm literally transitioning out. Estrogen is so important to learn mm -hmm. as a woman. There's a book that I have, Estrogen Matters, by Dr. Avram Blumming. If you want to get it, it talks about how important estrogen is. And at a young age, if you know about it, you could actually prevent breast cancer. If you know how to balance your hormonals, because, you know, breast cancer, if it's a hormonal breast cancer, that's how it's caused from this up and down estrogen feeds cancer. All those things that I still don't really understand. But I, yes. I stopped eating plant estrogen because of all the stuff I was hearing about how excess extra estrogen can cause cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know why I had to stutter right then, but <laughs> you can, you can edit it in post. <laughs> no, estrogen, 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 estrogen. Um, well, so I guess, oh, what did I want to go into? I was looking at the first article but for before we go into that article, no, yeah. Why are you teacher's pet? <laughs> so we do stock class with my uncle every Sunday. Now you've been, you've had experience with stock longer than me. Yes. Yesterday he was, <laughs> he was kept giving Noye brownie points. It was annoying. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing pretty good too. Yeah, no, you were asking like very good questions about, so here's the difference between you and I though. You ask, you ask the questions that someone who has a big budget for stocks will ask. And I ask the questions that a poor person who like has like maybe a hundred dollars to put in would ask. But <laughs> it is funny that he does give examples of like to like if you put in ten thousand dollars during ten years ago, you'd be the I'm like, Uncle Buzz. Give us an example of how much we're actually putting in. We're not putting in ten, twenty thousand dollars into Apple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need like, what can I do with fifty dollars? Exactly. How can I triple fifty dollars? <laughs> now there is. A is this trip. your uncle? Is it, or are you just calling him uncle? How come you didn't invite me to the stock market? I'll invite talk? you. You're welcome. You're yeah. welcome to come. We do it randomly this Sunday. You're definitely welcome. We have, we've had Kyle Grooms there, Mark Theobald. Everyone's welcome. You're welcome. Can your Nina. uncle give us a reverse on how can we unlose all our money in crypto? Oh my goodness. Oh no. Did that happen to you? A little bit. Me no. Too. Just really? a little bit. Yeah. Oh, Marina, we, we should have been protecting them. So oh, no. I would say if you haven't sold it, don't. Right. When you say yeah. just 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 hold. just hold it now if you haven't sold it yet. I mean, I already lost so much. What's the point of getting back a little yeah. bit? 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm still sorry. It. I'm still yeah. like, I'm in the mind frame that like I lost that money. So let's say in a year or two, it magically comes back up. I'm like, oh, okay, this is nice. Yeah. Yes, that's what can happen. But um, Noye, tell them what they can do to protect themselves. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so if you see something that you've invested in and not just uh, crypto, but stocks, mutual funds, if it falls more than 4%, get out of there. And I know that you probably always heard sell high, buy low, but there are indicators that you need to leave because it's probably going to fall further. And if it drops more than 4%, then that's usually an indicator. So that's but one. You know, the thing about um, crypto, though, is the stock market moves more steadily up and down. Crypto has like it looks like this from mm -hmm. day to day. So it's like four percent is usually like 20 percent in one day. <laughs> so it's like also, it's hard to really gauge. It's so volatile. The volatility yeah. of crypto is crazy. And that's so why you can put um, you can put stops on there. You can do that with crypto, too. So you can automatically set it where if it drops more than 4%, it will sell it for you. Or you can set it to whatever you want. You can even do, Marina, you were saying you're going to do 1% on something. And it sounds like crypto would be a good thing to do 1% on even since I, you're losing I'll so Google, much. I'll Google like Ethereum price prediction and everyone's like at the end of 2022, it's going to be this much money. And I'm like, I'm getting my money back. These bloggers know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, uh, if, yeah, if you hold it, Hold, just, just stay in. Just you, you, I mean, you, you, it's such a loss right it's now. It's such a loss. There's no point. You, you might as well just stay in if it's, you know, cause what I did lose a lot of money on is Forex. Or oh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, Forex is like the buying um, other countries' currency and then selling when the, oh, no, when the yeah. thing goes up and down. Because America, the, the dollar is the strongest right now. So you must yeah. have lost a lot on that. Oh, I didn't no. lose that much because I, <laughs> I only I only played with a little bit of money because I didn't really know how to do it. I was kind of just messing around. And then one day I made like 600 bucks. And the next day I, I was like, I'm done. I don't I don't know enough about this to be like just gambling. It so, was like a slot machine for me. So, Mar so Marina, we should tell them about um, the guides. The uh, what is it? I forget what they're called now. <laughs> the lines that show you the moving averages. The 200. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There's a 200 average day moving line. Uh, yeah. It's like the 200 day moving average. Yeah. Average. And that is when you should, that's what you should look at for buying and for activity to see how it's acting. Um, and then there's a floor where you could see kind of like that's the red line, right? Yeah, that's the red line. So if it dips below that, that's a sign that it's not coming back up for a while. But if it goes above the moving average, that's a sign that it's going up. And you can do, you can look at that for crypto too. So while you're holding, you can look at, um, you know, what the predictions are for the coming week, at least. What's yes. that? Um, is that an independent graph or something? Is it an app? This this is another new feature on this. That oh, you can share now on there. Yeah, look ooh. at this. You see that? Oh, ooh, oh, cool. This so, is just like our classes. So, oh, that's sorry. That's I didn't want to. Oh, that's a screenshot. Oh, same wig. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know how to get out of this. How do I? Um, oh, is that a video? Guys? I can see you. 
I will never do this again. Uh oh. There, there, there should be a button for stop sharing. Oh, there we go. Stop sharing. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was you on the day I found that recording, Noye. You did have a different wig on. That's hilarious. Yeah. This but one. There's, <laughs> there are charts like um, TC2000 or big charts. Yeah, big time charts are big. Bigcharts.marketwatch.com is the one I use. And putting a, a trailing stop is a smart way of if it's earning, let's say it's going up. Let's say your crypto starts to go up again, right, Nina? Yes. If it goes up, put a trailing stop so that you can if make it goes some back down. It's it'll just you want to follow the gain of it. Mm. All the way up as it goes up. And then when it starts to drop down a little bit, you're out. And then you made your money, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's ways to, yes. Pr- oh, poor thing. Yeah, did you there's see him? <laughs> he's, he's crawling on the ground. So you can come say hi if you want. Uh, it's yeah. highly <laughs> contagious. I know. He's going to, oh, you poor what? thing. Someone this will be COVID? interesting. Fine. My husband has COVID. Mm-hmm. And last time I had it, I gave it to him. So I'm just like, oh, no. But I've been away for four days. And the first four days are the most contagious. So hopefully... I avoided, but we'll see. I got COVID in Morocco last month. It was terrible. Oh, my God. I was quarantined in a hotel. It was miserable. What is oh, the wow. most important thing that Uncle Buzz told us yesterday, though? You brought up oh, something I that was notes. really, really about paying attention to legislation. Yes, legislation is huge. So he, the one that really got me, so there, there's this new thing. Um, it is the Inflation Reduction Act, and it's been affecting oil prices. But today oil went down, but it's Monday, and that usually happens. Monday, Tuesday, prices will go down on stocks that are going to probably do well, and that's a, a ETF, so that's a different type of stock too. But he was saying that you have to pay attention to the healthcare budgets, the federal healthcare budgets every year, because then you'll see exactly where they're putting their money and wherever they put their money. Like they put their money into dialysis, he said in um, 2008. And then Davida, they were the biggest stock after that because they, you know, they make all the dialysis machines and everything. So, yeah, you just have to pay attention to legislation because it always affects the stock market. Obviously, wars do. Um, you and made Joe a lot of money Manchin. on and Oh, Joe yeah, Joe Mm-hmm. What do you say about Joe Manchin? <laughs> he said that the only reason he is supporting the new inflation bill is because he saw how much money he was going to make. <laughs> uh, really? His stocks, yeah. Yes, because he's it's his company or one of the oil companies he's a president uh, he, of. I think it. I think he. Ju- I don't know what it is. Is he a president of an oil company? It was I forget exactly where, what it was. So, like in Obamacare, Republicans made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. While they were fighting Obamacare, they were mouth talking. But if you look at what they own and where there's they made tons of money. It's it's really interesting how much you have to pay attention to legislation, because that's where people start making their money off the stocks. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. All this was really super important. Oh, I remember exactly what he said now, Marina. It was that Joe Man. So Joe Manchin, uh, he gets his biggest donations from oil companies. And in this Inflation Reduction Act, although it is, has big climate change um, legislation, it also is allowing oil companies more freedom. It's giving them more freedom. Devil's so he saw that. Mm-hmm. He saw that and he was like, ooh, 
So he ain't no, he ain't no better person. And that's something that's important for the voters to know when they, when it comes around that he didn't, he's not really for us. A Warren Buffett owned mortgage company is accused of discriminating against black and Latino home buyers in Philadelphia. A Pennsylvania mortgage company owned by billionaire Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway discriminated against potential black and Latino home buyers in Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Delaware. The Department of Justice is calling this the second biggest redlining settlement in history. Trident, a division of the company, avoided writing mortgages in mainly minority neighborhoods such as Malcolm X Park, Philadelphia, Camden, New Jersey, and Wilmington, Delaware. The Department of Justice and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are requiring the company to set aside 20 million, I think it's actually up to 24 million, to make loans in undeserved neighborhoods. The Department of Justice alleged that employees of Trident made racist comments about black home buyers, calling some neighborhoods ghettos, and one manager was photographed with a Confederate flag. Trident agreed to pay a $4 million fine and hire mortgage loan officers in the impacted neighborhoods. Now, this is interesting. As Trident is no longer in operation, a separate company will be contracted to provide those that money, basically. Is anyone surprised? I, I thought Warren Buffett was, I, I was talking about him and I, I, someone was saying he's a, a good guy. Mm. He was, that was that. That's the image that I already I had always heard of him, that he was a philanthropist, a pretty good guy. Um, he just may not have a tight hold on what his business ventures are doing. You know, you, you, you never know sometimes. And he also might, he might have just been doing what everyone else was doing because all these other mortgage companies are doing the same thing. And maybe he was like, oh, this is just what's done in America, which I guess in my mind, then, yeah, to me, he's a bad guy. But you could be you could people are dual. We we contain multitudes. Some of those multitudes are racist. And the I white just people. always, yeah. I just always make the assumption and go with, oh, this person's racist until proven, until proven not. Especially, like, I don't know who Warren Buffett is, but just hearing that name, I'm like, he sounds like he's someone from the government or someone of like a higher power. <laughs> I'm sure he's racist. It's just the way it is. Sadly. I mean, he's, no. a, he's a billionaire. I don't think a white person could get uh, to could become a billionaire if they weren't doing something nefarious, right? Or their team was, which is also yeah. because I bet a lot of that money is tied to slavery if you look really close at it anyway. So he's been making money off disenfranchising black people his entire life. Well, I don't know. Hey, Warren Buffett has, um, especially in the 70s and the 80s, kind of forged a relation, uh, a reputation for himself as being someone rather positive. He's worth $98 billion. I just wow. I just looked it up. Um, so he is definitely a multi-billionaire, but he's like a real estate investor. And there's no way, I think you were alluding to it, there's no way that you can make, you get to the point where you're making that amount of money and something or one of your business ventures is not doing something, you know, crazy underhanded. I mean, because the money is tied to the most underhanded mm. people and things. And if his his business holdings are trying to make money, they're going to be doing things to cut certain people out. But he's always had a good, a pretty decent reputation for his giving. It wasn't he the one who said he was shocked that his employees were paying more taxes than he was? That was him. Oh, That's yeah. right. That was him. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know that I could even have a billion dollars. And if I was putting it into investments, wouldn't have a crooked, you know, advisor somewhere or someone working for me or stealing money, you know. So I'm not making excuses for him, but it's like 98 billion. Come on. He's probably got a couple of people doing some under the table stuff or, you know, dirty stuff. But he it's it's important that they call it out because he needs to be made aware. Yeah. And that they also give that money back. Yes. You know, and here's the thing. I don't know if you're looking for homes. I've been looking for ownership for the past two years. I'm glad I didn't do it during the pandemic because that would have been an an emotional buy. Look at my (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of myself. But the thing is, is that Writers Guild, which is at some point, Noye, Nina, you both will be a member of. They offer courses about home ownership with um, and we had one recently with. Um, I think it's the West Fargo Bank. Oh, Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. And I asked that question about loans and discrimination with people of color and what is their history? And, ooh, did they stumble? They did something to my parents, actually, with their mortgage on the first house my parents bought in America. So I'm very familiar with how discriminatory Wells Fargo is. (laughs) They said they had some hiccups. Mm-hmm. That was their response. <laughs> oh, was it a was it a hiccup? <laughs> but it's just, Nina, do you ever experience I I know you're not you're still of color though. Yeah. And yet but you come from very wealthy My parents aren't wealthy. Um but uh oh, sorry for that. My sister is wealthy because she married a rich guy. She did it right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she she bought a home and then a week later had massive flooding because of the rain. But um, wearing a hijab is always like you never know if people are giving you the side eye or what they're thinking. Or but I mean, people are just inherently racist, especially when it comes to the black community. Like um, um, I know a lot of my a lot of homeowners they like uh, they don't rent out to anyone who's on like Section Eight or or because they're just assuming that the people are of color or like ghetto or poor. And I know a lot of, um, one of my friends, she's a single mom, she's on section eight and she wanted, she's been looking for a new apartment and so many landlords, when she applies for like an application, they're like, oh, we don't, we don't take section eight people, which I think is very fucked up because not everyone on section eight is like a drug addict or whatever kind of myth is behind it. Some of them are single moms. Some of them are people who fell on hard times. There's a lot of reasons for people to be on Section 8. So, which it's, it's also illegal, I think, in New Jersey to reject someone because they're on Section 8. But then it's like, you can't really prove that that's the reason why they didn't give it to you. They could just make up any reason they want. So it's like a unwinnable war. And there are percentages that um, states have to, cities have to meet for Section 8 housing. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, because yeah. my friend, she uh, she was married. She, her and her husband got a divorce. She has twins and they're toddlers, so she couldn't work for a little while. Uh, the waiting list for Section Eight was eleven years in her town. Wow, now, Stace is this yeah. is the first time I've had viewers. So Stace is going in, and Stace is saying, "I think it was Ginny on the live stream who works for Buffett and thinks very well of him, but he's got oh that was on our live stream, but he's got a lot of holdings not defending him." But it must be tough to have a full oversight over every company. So it's a good point. And we are all of massive contradictions. I wonder if we can ever fully unpack the debt this country and us white folks owe to the forced labor of enslaved people. I do think we need to name it and pay reparations. And Wells 
Fargo is just plain evil. Yeah, they they got called out for what Warren Buffett's company got called out for years ago. Yeah, they're bad. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they that's why they were like, oh yeah, we've had some hiccups. <laughs> Okay. Now, the legendary New Jersey native Ice T awarded cannabis license partners with longtime friend and cannabis authority Cheris B of the Medicine Woman. That's what she's. I think it's Cheris B. It may be Karis B. Sorry if I'm getting it wrong. No, I can't read. Legendary actor, rapper, and New Jersey native Ice T. Yes. And a leading cannabis brand and dispensary planning on opening later this year. The new dispensary is one of the few approved by the strict Jersey city cannabis control board, which establishes and enforces the rules and regulations governing the licensing, cultivation, testing, and selling marijuana. Minorities and people of color have been disproportionately affected by unjust marijuana prosecutions in New Jersey and beyond. In fact, in New Jersey, black people are three times more likely to be charged with marijuana possession than white. The medicine woman, Jersey City, is committed to sourcing staff from the local community and has partnered with several local charitable organizations to fight against this injustice. Now, I don't I don't know about y'all. But maybe they ha- shouldn't have legalized it because I'm smoking every night. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I am going to be honest with you and say it's it. it no. OK, look, it puts me to sleep. Mm-hmm. We're at that certain age that I was talking about. You know, we're, we're menopause. You know, you, you wake up in the middle of the night. Nothing helps like marijuana. But. Yeah. <laughs> and I think everyone is high now. Everyone is freaking high. <laughs> what is that a terrible thing? No, it's I good. Mean, really? I mean, most people when they're high are like their best selves. They're so like nice. They're cool. They're chill. They're introspective. They're thinking all deep and shit. So, I mean, you know. I, and, you know, it's so funny because I, I never was a huge uh, smoker, puffer of marijuana. And so with them legalizing, it didn't change anything for me at all. But I'm like, if, you know, all my friends who usually puff have now can do it in comfort, it just makes my life better. <laughs> I mean, is there really a but? Is there really a but? Are you finding like the next day? Are you feeling foggy or are you forgetting I get, stuff? I, okay. So like during the pandemic, which was like my Vietnam, I was smoking all the time. Like, you know, like, but look, here's the thing. Like I had plans. I have this pile. I have like three piles over here to the right. I could show you the problem areas and you could probably see like even above this refrigerator. That's a problem area. I often think to myself, (laughs) get it done. Do it tonight. And then I smoke a little weed and it never gets done. Uh huh. So for two years, there's things, these plans that I had, you know, it's just, you think you're going to get something done when you smoke? You don't. You don't. You just, and I, and I kept saying to myself, how come two years and I haven't like, I don't know, read a book, 
Well, it's like, <laughs> you so think that's the weed, though? Yeah. Oh, no. Have you ever tried to read high? Have you ever tried it? No. I, I used to read high all the time when I was younger, but I guess I just had that young brain where no matter what. Because <laughs> I used to love reading high. <laughs> what about you, Nina? Um, I just recently started smoking. I don't. I only started smoking the beginning of COVID. That was the first time I ever got high, and I was like, "Oh, this is nice." Um, but also because I work out so much, I try not to smoke too much just because of my lungs. Right. So I'm kind of like in that constant battle between like oh, I'll be I'll, I'll be fine. I'll take a couple hits, and then the next day I'm running, and I'm like, <gasps> I'm like you oh, fuck, have, I need to quit smoking. Do you live in New York? I live in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Oh, that's close enough. Every day. Yeah. So the, one of the payments we get here as young comics, loads of edibles. I have an entire drawer in my fridge just piles of edibles. So wow. we can hook you up so you don't get yeah. the black lung. That's what I was saying. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather just eat an edible than smoke because I just, even though I don't smoke that much where right, I feel like it's going to affect my workout the next day because I'm taking two, three hits, but it's just a, kind of like a mental thing. I'm like, I smoked last night. That's why I'm tired. Or in reality, <laughs> I'm just lazy and out of shape. Maybe a no. little bit of both. I don't know. I have to be honest with you, Nina. Young Marina, well, maybe like five years ago, Marina, who could run. And I used to run like long distance. I can't anymore because my knees are done. But I smoked weed before running like five miles wow. a day. Mm-hmm. That's why I was I loved running because I knew I would get high before I run. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a fun. Yeah. And it was, and look, it's the type of, you got to have a certain type. It's got to be uh, sativa. You can't be smoking like indigo. I did that one time and I was like, this is a hard run today. Um, but sativa, you can run on with no problems. You can, and it's a fun run and you're looking around. You're like, look at the world. This is great. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. <laughs> I'm going to see how I do. Maybe if you change, like, because if I enjoy running and doing my sprints, I'll be, I'll be perfect. I can't wait till they make psilocybin legal too. That's like the mushrooms and stuff. Because oh, that's I'm the one to try mushrooms. That helps me with pain. I have to use that for pain. And for legal reasons, I no, I don't. But yeah, it's very good for pain. And I just, I feel like that should be legalized also. Yeah. I have um like this chronic um jaw pain that I get. It's my own fault. It's like something that I let go for too long. And when they finally did the root canal, they're like, ooh, you messed yourself up. Yeah. Anyway, oh, no. so, I, so I have chronic <laughs> jaw pain and the mushrooms are the only thing that works on me. Weed doesn't work. Nothing. Just the mushrooms. Wow. So, yeah. And now it's gotten to the point where it doesn't, I don't really get the psychedelic effect. It's just pain relief and I'm able to, you know, write and do what I'm supposed to do. So. And Stace is saying studies show consuma- consumption. Consummation. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, that's different. Show, studies show consumption of small amounts of sativa before exercise actually enhance performance. Wow. So Whoa. Oh, we can like we can like Stace's comments. I'm going to like all mm-hmm. of them. Stace is also saying that uh, their wife and they regularly take psilocybin because it's decriminalized in Denver. Oh, Denver oh, is yes, a great Denver place. It's a great place. Yes, for like wow. for smoking. Yes, for sorry. Sorry, sorry. Let's be clear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. I did speak too soon, and too. I got the best weed from there, though. I will. I. I had that stuff was amazing. 
Now let's go to something that we all know that will not leave the news cycle. Oh, I know what it is already. Will Smith, the, the slap that was heard around the world. <laughs> will Smith's post an emotional apology to his Instagram and YouTube pages expressing his remorse regarding the Oscar slap incident. The actor caused controversy at this year's ceremony when he slapped comedian Chris Rock on stage for making a joke about his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. The video shows Smith answering questions about the incident and apologizing to Rock, who is not ready to talk to Smith just yet. He also apologizes to Rock's mother and expresses remorse for damaging his relationship with Rock's brother, Tony. Yeah. Smith. Oh, really? Smith, wait, with Tony? Yeah, they were friends. They were very good friends, I guess, he said in the apology. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And now you well, won't talk to him. It was kind of funny how everyone was like, who's Tony? <laughs> <laughs> For a while, there was a little bit. They were like, I didn't know his brother did comedy. And Tony's oh, been no. around forever. Yeah. Tony's like a really good friend. You know, he's been around and everyone's like, oh. And then they started watching his stand up. <laughs> Smith emphasized that he does not believe that his actions were the correct way to behave in that situation and that Jada has nothing to do with his decision. How about that? How everyone was blaming Jada. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, well, she's a black woman, so that makes sense. We get blamed for everything. I got to say, the the thing that stood out to me, he was like, oh, uh, Chris won't uh, answer my calls or my messages when I try and reach out. And I was like, to be fair, Will, last time you reached out to him, you hit him. So I don't know if he's ever going to. <laughs> that was a bad joke, guys. That was no, it's good. <laughs> Stand by it. Okay, yeah, that was a great joke. Um, I just feel like we should be done talking about it. And Chris actually did respond and he said the same thing. He's just like, everyone wants to make me a victim. Everyone wants to pull a victim out of this. Let's just leave it. What do you you think? think He's apologizing now. I was just going to say from what I was watching from that interview, I don't know if he was planning to make that apology during that interview. The interview were just asked him the question. And I think it kind of, you know, evoked, Oh man, his, his, his remorse, at the relationships he damaged. And so I think this was just his first opportunity to answer it. And probably the first time he was ready to answer it. But I don't I don't know from the beginning of that interview that he thought that that was going to be, you know, was going to happen. But I knew immediately, we all know Will Smith. I, or, I don't know about you guys, but we've been watching, Will Smith is around our age, okay? Maybe a little, maybe a little older. But um, he, we saw him grow up and we know Will Smith and he's been like of the best character always, you know, at least front facing. We don't know what happens behind the scene, but... Will Smith has always kind of put himself out there as being a good, just a good black dude mm-hmm. who's talented. I knew immediately he was going to have remorse and regret what he did. Yeah. I knew it. And I, I, I felt bad for Will because I'm like, that's out of his character. And I think that's why a lot of people started blaming Jada, too, is because it's it was so out of Will's character. And I don't I'm not saying that I blame Jada. I don't know really the layers of anything <laughs> what caused him to do that but you know it, it was so out of will's character to I, react like that he also apologized like the very next day like i think he wrote something on his instagram or a story he or he, so he's been talking about it, it hasn't it wasn't like he kind of just disappeared and then now he, it's like a breaking news thing uh he's been like talking about and apologizing and whatnot 
I've been a huge fan of him for a long time. I even had, I had two variety shows that I did at um, Harvard University, Will Smith, the comedy variety show. That's right. Yeah. So I am, I'm a mega fan. And I will say in that moment, I was just like, is everyone forgetting that the punchline of several jokes in Fresh Prince was him slapping people? It's like, <laughs> that was wow. every episode. That was every episode. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. He used, he did used to slap all the yeah. time. So to like, honestly, I feel like that had to come from somewhere. Right. And maybe that is just how he handles things. And he just forgot he was at the Oscars. I really just saw someone who forgot where they were and reacted how they would have maybe reacted. And even in the apology, I might be reading too much into this because I'm obsessed with Will Smith. But <laughs> even in the apology, there was a part where he said, uh, people don't understand all the layers there there is to this with me and Chris. So there, there has to be something else that a lot of people don't know about. Well, it's a lot of, of, yeah. he kind of, Chris was joking about Jada years ago. They brought that up. That is not a new joke, no. apparently, that he teases her. But I think this is a bigger thing of just whether or not America or in, in general, this world that we're in can accept just forgiveness, like where we are with forgiveness and... I find that the younger generation is really not forgiving um, of unless it's Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how he still has fans, but apparently <laughs> that's true. That's true. true. You know, where are we with an apology and where are we with this is a public instance. But like if people were to really look at the, their lives and things that they've done, like everyone's acting so like I'm perfect and I haven't done anything in my life that I need to apologize for. And and that's where I that's where my attention goes to when I think of this and when I think of all of entertainers and when the public is asking for them to apologize, how we crucify them in the apology. We don't give them a chance. We scrutinize the apology. We say, was that a good enough apology? I don't think it was, uh, didn't feel right. Stace, Stace, what you got? Oh, she's still talking about cannabis. <laughs> Can I just say, is, has Stacey always been a part of this podcast? No. No. Mm -mm. I love this edition. It reminds me of Yeah, because you know what? If you ever if you ever listen to um Karen Hunter show or um any of these like, you know, satellite radio shows, what's the what's the first one that he started out racist but now he's not? Um what's his name? Tall guy with the long Howard hair. Stern? Howard, yeah, oh, Howard, Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Yeah, oh, even he, Howard Stern. Oh, he's not racist anymore. I feel like he's He, he got he old. The line. Yeah, Howard he, Stern was he, racist. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I mean, I'm not surprised. I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, but now he's more he's too he, he's almost like too old to be racist. Like he he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> like and he sees things from a different perspective now that he's on the on the other side of the timeline. So it's like he's changed, but he also had that sidekick that he often kind of threw things to and Don was her name Don, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was that the black and woman? He, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love this, Marina, because it's cool to have somebody who's like listening to us and doing a little like giving feedback and doing a little research. It's a great addition. I like it. And she's white. <laughs> oh. oh, see. <laughs> but you know what? That also helps, too, because you get like it's a, it's a good balance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's always good when you can't tell if somebody's white by what they're saying, though. 
Because <laughs> I get into out. I get into out. Sorry, Stace. I put you out there. <laughs> She's saying that he's also mis- misogynistic. But I, oh, yeah. you know, I think this thing of apology is important because it, it is. It, like, I do want to see whether or not Chris can accept or at some point if they will. I think it's important to see the forgiveness right now yeah. for everybody uh, so we can move on. And not talk about it anymore. Yeah. More more importantly, and people do make mistakes and people do slap when they're angry, out of control. I don't know. I, there's been several times in my menopausal rage where I'm sure, like, I... <laughs> rage! <laughs> and what you said, Marina, about the moving on and what you said about Chris Brown, I think the reason why the younger generation is... I mean, my generation and younger, they're very, they have a short-term memory. So the thing with Chris Brown is he just powers through everything and just continues like nothing is happening. That's why people forget. If Will Smith kind of just like did his thing, in a few months, people would have forgotten by now. But because he's still talking about it and apologizing, and that's why it's still lingering. Whereas like Chris Brown's like, all right, I have a concert tomorrow. Who's coming? And just acts like nothing is going on. People forget. Although he he is banned from uh, performing in England. They don't is let him he? in. Uh-huh. Because Rihanna was, or where is she from? Barbados was part of yeah. the Commonwealth when he did that to her. So he was oh, banned wow. from performing in England. And Wizkid brought him on stage and it was a whole thing. They were very upset. It's yeah, but upset. he's he's unfazed. That's the thing. You can't cancel someone who doesn't care to get canceled. That's Chris, true. I, mean, look at uh, Trump. I feel like Trump. Will Smith is kind of a good guy. I mean, from what I could see, I don't know him personally, yeah. but he obviously feels bad. But if he was just like, fuck it, I smacked someone, sorry, and moved on, no one would be talking about it anymore. Yeah, Trump True. is the best example of that. I mean, Trump grabbed pussies. It was on, it was recorded. <laughs> he like assaulted, sexually assaulted so many women. And it's like, he doesn't care. He just, he's like, okay, whatever. And people moved on because he did. Yeah. You know, Don't he just so- buried his ex-wife in a garage. Did you see that? Wait, what? who? What? So he, so in New Jersey, I think it's in New Jersey. It's either New Jersey or um, Florida to get a tax break on one of his golf courses. He buried Ivanka there, his ex-wife no. or Ivana or whatever her name is. Yeah, I think it's Ivana. Yeah, he buried her there. And he, the pictures are horrendous. It looks like it's like a pauper's grave. There's just a slab on top. She's and it's dead? A, it's, yeah, his she ex-wife. She fell on, she accident. When did she die? I think like two weeks weeks ago. ago. Oh, okay. Wow, I'm so out of the loop. Melania, is it? Boy, no, 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 no. no. That's the current wife. uh, Um, Ivana. Ivana. It was Ivana. Ivanka's their kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, Ivana. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. And he buried her on the golf course to get a tax break. Make it a cemetery. Mm Mm-hmm. That's wild. See, that's something that somebody who has no empathy would do. That's someone he has, he's not introspective. He doesn't care what he does. You're completely right. Meanwhile, Will Smith. Oh no, I slapped somebody. Help! I'm going to talk about it. You do for an need entire to know year. how fast the news cycle moves on. And since I've started the podcast, I've even noticed like this topic that we're talking about. By the way, won't even be in. You know, like oh, you give it like a week. And people move on. Mm -hmm. So make your apology faster next time or make it better next time. It's even like that with comedy. Like something happens today and you write a bomb joke. You can't only do it for like three days. 
Yeah. That's true. That's true. I did a I did a packet last week on Friday, and uh, my manager is at JFL, and I was like, "Please submit this today because I'll have to write all new jokes if you don't." I was like, "Please," I was begging. <laughs> Look, I was I've like, seen Louis C.K. perform at the Comedy Cellar, and I'm always looking in the audience. I'm always amazed. Now I know Louis, and you know he's done his apology but a lot of people are not okay still with him um they don't feel like the uh, the apology is in their view a good apology and he's performing and he's not really respond i i've noticed he just keeps performing but people are still really holding on to it why why with louis do you think um i think I think he was one of the people who had a really bad apology, right? Remember that time period where everybody was being called out, like even Mario Batali, and they all had these like really, um, I'm sorry if you felt like that or you felt that way apologies where you could tell that they weren't actually sorry. Mario Batali gave a cinnamon roll recipe at the end of his apology. <laughs> Do you remember that? Wait, no. Yes. Are you serious? I'm serious. Yes. He was like, oh, I guess like I'm not supposed to grope people. Anyway, here's some cinnamon rolls. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Wow. Yeah. And Louie like kind of followed the same thing. It's like he's just like, oh, I'm sorry if you felt bad about what I did Um, anyway. And I think he told like a joke in it. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Yeah. He can't help himself. Yeah, you can't help that. And oh, he was getting chewed up on Twitter. Oh, my God. That's wild. And I know, yeah. really, you know what? I, it's 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 a difficult one for me because he's so kind to me. And I know that's not like, you know, like I hate when people say to me, well, they were always nice to me. I hate when people say that. So mm-hmm. I try not to say it. But I do wonder, like, I don't know his personal journey of forgiveness within himself. I don't know it. And I don't know if it's any of my business, quite honestly, but I do know it's, we gotta, we do have to move on, I guess, you know, what punishment do do we feel like he hasn't got enough punishment? You know, I was, that was actually, I was talking about this exact topic with my sisters the other day. Cause I saw a trailer for a, a new Hulu series dropping about Mike Tyson. Um, and I love Mike Tyson. I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. But then I look back at his past. Robin Givens. He's said and done. He's been convicted of rape. It wasn't like allegations. Like, and then I'm like, no one cares. No, they did back then. I remember as a kid, I remember people did care back then. But he was just so wildly famous that it almost like canceled it out. But he did lose like endorsements and things like that. But yeah, people don't. Robin Givens actually came out and was just like, why do I keep having to see him everywhere? Because, you know, he's retired from the sport that made him famous. Why is he still everywhere? Why does he have a biopic? Like she was very upset by it because that's the wife that he really abused, like violently abused. Is he the one he went to? Is she the one he went to prison for? Or was I that think someone? so. I think okay. she's the one that he went to prison for. Or the yeah. girl in Indianapolis at the Black Expo, I think. Oh, is the that one. the prison one? I think so. I'm not oh. sure. Maybe Stace, you can chime in. But also myself. I'm like, I love Mike Tyson. Why don't I care that he's a rapist? Wait, well, what do you love? What do you love about Mike Tyson though? Are you a big boxing fan? Yeah. Oh, okay. I also box my I'm I'm prepping for a fight, actually. Wow. Um, so are you based from in the Brooklyn? artist. That's what it is. Excuse me? Are you based in Brooklyn? No, no, no. But I'm in Brooklyn right now. The studio's in Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm going to do a story on you. Um, Boxing, comedian. Yeah. She's got hijab. I'm like, you Marina, are Marina saw me last week. I was kind of... I boxed too. I was, uh, I was <laughs> recovering from a concussion. 
Yeah, you oh, are. Whoa, Can what? Get, yes, yeah, and I um, I have two hairline fractures and ribs six and seven. Wait, where do you live? I live in, I live half Jersey, half Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Half Brooklyn, I, we need to talk about that. Because I, I, I train in New York, so I, I stay at my friend's place for like a couple of days a week. If I'm, if I'm sparring like three days, I don't want to travel too much, so I'll just crash. So, so do you, do you train in Brooklyn as well? I train in Manhattan. Oh, okay. He wants to do an article to, on I was trying, I was trying to make something of it. Yeah. You got to be a Brooklynite though. Manhattan is not too far. <laughs> you guys what? don't know who you, you, this is Zawadi Morris, president <laughs> of the Brooklyn region. President, you know? president. <laughs> well, so how long do you have to wait between fights? Because you can't go out there like this right now, right? Because you have the fractures. Well, they were telling me that it's going to take six weeks for my ribs to heal. It's been two. Okay. Um, I'm still sparring, but it's much lighter. So then it's like once my rib heals, I'm going to have to do like another month of like intense training and then schedule another fight because I'm um, especially since I got a concussion last week, Ooh. even though I'm I'm like fine now it's so much easier to get a worse concussion yes. in the next few weeks. And I'm not trying to get brain damage. Michael B. Yet. Jordan, if you're listening, hire her for the next what? Creed movie. Oh, we no. need a female-led Creed. Oh, no. <laughs> and if he hires you, let me, can I be there for the hiring? Exactly. Yeah, I was about to say, Michael B. Jordan, if you're listening, no. Zawadi Morris would like to know if we can go on a date. <laughs> I'm like, if you're listening. <laughs> and will your husband allow that? Uh, he's gonna have to. Mine will. My husband probably wants to go on a date with Michael B. Jordan, too. <laughs> Honestly. Now, since we're talking about Zawadi's Brooklyn reader, Sheila... We were not talking about that. <laughs> going with the Brooklyn Reader? Like, where are you? Because I love it. Every, I pull articles from there all the time. Oh, good. Good. I it's don't have growing. a specific question, but it feels like it's like growing. And it, it is. It's the it's, most it's, important newspaper. It, And I feel like we need one like I kind of found one from Brooklyn Reader that's in Harlem. Which one is that? Um, I forgot which one I pulled out. It was the Harlem something world or something from your brooklyn reader but it's like it's like a local a local version in harlem yeah so no it's going well it's growing really fast rapidly it's going through a growth spurt right now so which i love it did a nice little growth spurt during COVID 2020 and then slowed down a little bit in 2021 and now it's it's picked up again it's kind of spiking up again um in terms of traffic and you know visitors followers social media subscriptions and stuff so it's doing really well Yay. Yay. Yeah. Black owned. Yes. So Sheila Ram Arayam is taking the helm of Buffalo's daily newspaper as the city still grieves the racist supermarket massacre that shocked the city this year, just as its economy and population showed signs of recovering from decades of economic decline. She's the first black journalist and the second woman to hold the position in the paper's 142 year history. Her appointment in which she starts August 22nd came months after the mass shooting at the Topps Friendly Market in a predominantly black neighborhood of East Buffalo. An 18-year-old white supremacist killed 10 and injured three people, almost all of them black. In her new role as executive editor, she plans to continue leading the paper to cover the city in its entirety. We're going to look at everything from food insecurity 
which is part of the reason that this happened, by the mm-hmm. way, because the you know you have one grocery store that everyone could go to, to public safety and to how residents are supporting each other. So she's looking forward to working with journalists who are passionate about serving their community and about telling great stories. Mm. I'm looking for that too. So I, I'm so glad I have you two on, on, on this, this call and you too, Marina, I need writers, I need writers of color. Um, I'm having the hardest time I've had for the past almost six years. Um, my managing editor is not of color. It's, it's there. They've both been white women. And um, just to be fair, they've been excellent. Uh, they've been amazing choices in, you know, given, you know, what I had and what was going on with the business at the time. So I don't have any regrets. However, I now I'm looking for a new managing editor and I'm having the hardest time. I've been working that role now for about three and a half months on my own, uh, because I've made a promise to myself that I would hire a person of color next time. Our managing editor has the most responsibility, learns a lot. You know, it makes the most money of everybody that's on the staff there, even me, more than me. Um, And so I like I feel like that role should be in the hands of a person of color because our uh, district, uh, the area that we cover, or I should say the borough is diverse and um, predominantly still of color. So um, it's just been a function of me not being able to find a a person of color, male or female, to want to work at a grassroots level. This is the same issue that uh, that schools deal with, trying to find teachers of color to come in, you know, and and be with students at a grassroots level. So the best journalists, especially if they're of color, are looking for those New York Times jobs. They're working to work. They're looking to work for the Atlantic. We don't have the same cushion and, and luxury to not not shoot for the top. They're not thinking about really necessarily starting at a local independent news site, whereas I have tons of white women applying every day (laughs) with disposable income and they go hard too, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, especially the Gen Zers, they go hard. They want justice, social justice, economic justice. They're hard workers, you know? So it's like, but I'm like, I'm having the hardest time getting black voices, black and brown voices to want to come on board to an independent Mm -hmm. news site. So So good luck to her. Good luck to her. To good luck to that woman. If I I hope people um, see the value in being part of local news, because I mean, even within uh, this industry, uh, I there's a stratification of those who can afford to work at certain jobs. You wouldn't even think that, but we can't. Black folks, especially with a degree, when they got student loans behind them, we can't afford uh, certain jobs that we just can't afford. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's sad. So we're putting it out there on Friends Like Us. You've heard it right here. You know, if you want to reach out to Zawadi Morris, send us a message. You have our email, friendslikeuspodcast at gmail, and we'll forward it to we'll forward it to, to you at Brooklyn Reader. Yes, thank you. I know plenty of comedians who would jump at that honestly so i'll put it out there too okay great yeah. great they have to have a journalism degree though yes <laughs> i figured as much yes yeah i have like two i'm thinking of already i don't know if one of them still li- lives here though so i'll have to figure that out and i would love to have i once had a writer it was like the second year after i launched um i had a writer who was a comedian and um it wasn't like she was writing funny stories but her perspective was so unique in terms of how she wrote. 
And I, it added so much to the paper. I would love to have someone that kind of thinks out the box in terms of their writing, even as a journalist. So yeah, send, send the comedians. She went on to, she actually left working for me to go to move to Chicago and work um, at MTV LA. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, is, are we talking about the same? We might be. Well, I'm going to, I'll send the message and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it's the same person. Cause one of them might be the same person, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> the hiring is interesting during this time after the pandemic. It was very difficult to find people who wanted to work. Yeah. Now that we're entering a recession, I'm supposed to whisper it, I guess. <laughs> um, it's going to be turning in the opposite direction. There's going to be more people who are going to need jobs, actually. So the 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 employer is going to have a little bit more of a position than they did in the past. And mm -hmm. I agree with you, Zawadi, even for this podcast, I've had a very difficult time finding um, specifically women of color to help me because they it's it's not enough money for them or and they're getting higher positions. But I finally just hired a new person who is, you know, of color and I'm excited and she's very excited to work. But it is interesting that we do this. We want to work together. We want to hire women of color. We want a podcast. But sometimes we're not available to those positions. And maybe we just need better recruiters. I also That's think women of color are overachievers. So they're going to shoot more for like, like the highest level of whatever position they're looking for. Because yeah. they are like yeah. a woman of color, they want to prove themselves and to their families and to others and to like, they're also probably more qualified than most, even at yeah. their entry level, because women of and, color are- And we got to take, and we also have to take the opportunities when we can get them. So mm -hmm. it's like the reason we'll start at a company and, and leave as soon as a new bigger opportunity comes is because we know that we are not going to see as many of those opportunities as, you know, our white counterparts. Yeah. So it, we don't have the luxury of staying in jobs that we love versus jobs that give us the money that we need. Boom. I've had a couple of um, interns of color, women, and I've hired a couple of writers as freelancers and they're gone in two, three months. Yeah. And now I now I'm used I'm almost used to it. I was like, OK, if I do find one, I know that they're going to bounce the first opportunity that they can. So that's also hard for me because I'll go through this whole process of hiring, training, whatever. And three months, they're like, oh, I just got a job uh, offer at BuzzFeed. So got to go. And what can I say? I'm like, yeah, they're paying you more. You're getting health insurance. What can I say? You know, so it's yeah. like. That too is happening to me. I've had so many assistants come and go and then, and I'll be, and I'll just get to a, a rhythm where I'm comfortable with them. And they're like, gotta go. <sighs> Yep. And I'm like, now I'm on Zoom again with another new person. <laughs> now, Shakira is facing tax fraud. I just think it's interesting. And then we'll get, we'll, and then I, I, I want to mention some passings and then we'll get out. Shakira, Colombian pop singer Shakira could face up to eight years in prison in case, in a case where Spanish prosecutors have accused her of tax fraud. Shakira faces six charges alleging she failed to pay the Spanish government nearly 15 million. Wow. Between 2012 and 2014, the prosecutors said they would also seek a fine of $24.5 million. What? Prosecutors mm. charged Shakira with tax evasion in December of 2018, which was right before the pandemic or, well, kind of as it was starting. 
we didn't know it, but it was there. Yeah. Within Alleging the year, he failed to pay millions in taxes to Spanish government between 2012 and 2014. She ended up testifying before a judge in 2019 and she denied any wrongdoing. Her PR team claimed that she paid what she owed with interest immediately after her trial. However, despite all of this, the Spanish judge, he wants her ass. He's like, mm-mm. <laughs> so now she listed, it does look like she's doing some evading because Shakira listed the Bahamas as her official residence for tax purposes during those years. But prosecutors say she was, in fact, living in Spain with her now ex-partner Spanish soccer player, Gerard (laughs) father of her two children. If she's convicted and they hand down a sentence, she's going to get eight years and two months. Now, a judge can waive prison time for the first time offender if they are sentenced to less than two years behind bars. And tax fraud case, Spanish prosecutors, but they're, they want to seek eight years. Can you see that? Shakira wow. Eight years. It sounds like they're trying to shake, the government's trying to shake her down. Yeah. Or maybe even that judge, because I can't see them putting her in jail for eight years. They'll probably, there'll be some plea deal where there's some under, some money under the counter, under the table, you know, a couple million here, a couple million there. That's why they're going high, going hard. They're, this It sounds like a ransom. It does. Sounds like a shakedown. It really it's also, does. It's also people like Shakira who are so rich and famous. I'm pretty sure she has a team that handles all this for her. But at the same time, it's like, where is the fine line between you should know what your team is up to and like hiring a team so you don't have to deal with this? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, whose fault is it? Is it hers? Is it the teams? Is it both? Yeah. Um, it's kind of yeah. sad because I don't think she, I mean, again, I don't know Shakira, but I highly doubt she's like, don't pay taxes. Fuck them. Yeah. And even if she was like that, who cares? You know, nonviolent offense. Honestly, I'm bored. They tried, they did this to Wesley Snipes. They did this to, um, there's a Chinese actress I love, Fan Bingbing. They did this to her. It's just like, leave them alone. Pay for our bridges and our Uh, tunnels and our health. And so you have to pay your share. But maybe she wasn't actually living in Spain because her husband was a he was a famous footballer. He was probably barely in Spain because he was traveling probably eight months out of the year. I believe her. Free Shakira. That's what I (laughs) Team Shakira. (laughs) Well, I Mary Alice. I don't know if you know Tony Winner for her role in Fences. I know passes at eighty five. I was told not to use the word passing. uh, Why? Because it's sort of like light skin. It's sort of like softening that someone died. Oh, I. But I. Did you hear what I said? What you say? She's light skinned. Oh, oh no, no, no! Not passing like that. Like passed away. No, I know, but I was like, did someone like? I'm an idiot. No, Ignore what no, I said. It was a psychologist who told me that it's important when talking to children about death that you use the word die and not passed away so that you don't cushion it. I like using passing, though. I, it yeah. feels better to me. Yeah. It feels more respectful, too, when you're talking about um, elder, elderly people. Yeah, I feel like you guys know you're young. Do you remember Mary Alice? Yeah. She wasn't she in the Matrix, too? Yes. She played the um, Oracle. Yeah. I do remember. We're losing a lot of great people right now. We also lost Michelle Nichelle Nichols yeah. from Star Trek. 
And they're both from Chicago, by the way. So I don't. Oh, you know oh I didn't know that. Yeah, they I both did not. have strong roots in Chicago. You know, we Chicagoans. I'm telling you, we are a force in this world. Yeah, <laughs> like you really are. Like we really are. We're everywhere, and like where people don't even realize it, we're like holding things down everywhere. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I was thinking that. I was like, she was. Um, she first worked professionally as a singer and a dancer in Chicago at eight. 14 wow. that is uh nichelle nichols am i saying her name right yeah nichelle. yeah that's yeah, right and, uh, and bill russell too we lost. and bill russell yeah, yeah nba superstar and civil rights activist passes at 88 and the family said we hope each of us can find a new way to act or speak up with bill's uncompromising dignified and always constructive commitment to principle and that would be one last and lasting win for our beloved number six yeah and the the last two, they were they were civil rights icons and activists too. Michelle and Bill was um I don't know Mary Alice. Mary Alice was she? I mean, honestly, just being a famous black person of that age, you were doing some activism, even if it's not in your obituary. Well, she was a teacher, yeah, before, um, but she found more. And I I I had an argument with well, not an argument, but I someone was trying to say that a show that I was working on or an idea that I was, we were working on creating was not political. And I was like, yeah, we have a black woman in it. Believe it. It's going to be political. It's always political. When I walk on stage, it's political. When Nina walks on stage, yeah. they, they, it's political. Right, Nina? Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nina, I, I, I want to ask you this question with the hijab and you know, I find like wearing the mask has made me understand more of what it must feel like. <laughs> because people, now that I still wear the mask, they often ask me or they freak out that I'm wearing the mask. Do you find the comparison? Yeah, a lot of people are always, they just are full of questions. And I don't mind, I don't mind answering questions. People are curious and not, I don't know everything about everyone else's culture and religion. So I don't, wouldn't expect everyone to know about mine. There's just too much out there. But then, but there's like, um, there's a line between someone asking a, a question because they're curious and then just asking a question because they're fucking stupid or just like, just like dumb things that it's like, why would you ask somebody that? Like, it's just unnecessary questions like um I always say that there's two types of feminists um they're usually white um it's like <laughs> one feminist where it's like we accept you do whatever you want kind of thing like go you go girl and then there's the the white feminists that are like we support you do whatever you want but you don't have to do that here in America kind of thing like if you don't want to like there's still that like passive aggressive undertone of like you're being oppressed kind of thing and then it's like everyone's like praising Billie Eilish because she was like, I want to dress modestly because I don't want people to look at me like an object. And everyone's like, yes, queen. And then it's like people like me, they're like, you're oppressed. So it's just frustrating. All that othering. They love it. Yeah. <laughs> but Nina, can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> so um, when you are when you're out wearing it now, do you find that you only feel comfortable when you have it on? I know part of it is 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 just how you dress culturally and, yeah. you know, for your religion. But do you now without it, does it feel like you're missing something if you were yeah. to go out without it? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, because I don't like wear it at home or in front of like my friends and family when I'm home or I'm like my siblings houses or stuff. But um, my cousin actually just bought a big house and he has a pool and the way his backyard is set 
set up, it's like no one can see. So like I was going in and out of the house, like wearing a be- like wearing a bathing suit, like outside. But even though no one could see me except my family, I was like, like, I just felt, I felt kind of like, I just felt super not, I, I didn't feel weird. I felt like I was missing something like, yes. I just felt awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm moving. We're moving actually to an area where I'm going, well, we have to dress modestly like that as well. The UAE and, um, I'm oh, you're just moving kind to of, the UAE. Yeah. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. So the UAE? I, United Arab Emirates. You're moving there, but like what? where? Marina's like, why you bring that up now? That's a big move. It's huge. Yeah. I was trying to get my sister to move you to Dubai because I wanted to visit there. <laughs> she got a job offer there. and I was like, take it. <laughs> well, one of the things they talk about is how like, and we've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, Nina, and a lot of the young girls, I mean, younger than me, like they're all still living their lives very hip it's just and they have you know the hijabs and I'm just like I wonder if that's how it's gonna feel for me should I wear it like you know I'm just thinking about that as well you know the UAE is definitely more much more relaxed around it yeah it's just how comfortable you are like if you're comfortable with it or without it like you should just wear I usually wear scarves that's what's crazy yeah. Like I usually wear scarves. I don't know, Marina, if you've seen it, if you look at any of my Instagrams, I'm always, because I'm, I feel, I even have one on now. Mm-hmm. I always, I always feel like I need to cover my hair. I grew up Muslim. So I, okay. I, I had this like weird feeling around my head, my temple. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is interesting that for, you know, the mask is obviously not religious attached to religion, but I do feel like when I don't have it on, I feel naked. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm one of the few that still wears it at the comedy clubs yeah. all the way up to the stage. And then I take it off and I, and everyone always comes up to me. They're like, why are you wearing it? I get a lot of questions and a lot of like judgments. And but it's also like, why do you care? Exactly. I, yeah, I, I never understand it. But I, even in my hallway, one time I walked part of the way without a mask and I felt like oh I started to freak out because I'm so used to wearing a mask now that I don't it's it's part of who I am well Marina let's talk about that when are you going to feel comfortable enough to let that go or are you because I know even during we we've recorded this show even during the pandemic and you were on high alert for the, the you know the virus and you know you had varying degrees of people People who had fear was like from all the way here to all the way here. Some people just thought it was some made up thing. And then other people thought it was going to kill them if they looked at it like it was crazy. But you were one of those people, I think, on the, on the higher end of like, I don't want to be exposed to put myself in any position with be in crowds. So now that we're pretty much out of it and it's it's being treated as the flu for the most part a contagious flu why when do you think you'll get to the point where you'll be able to just put the mask down or do you think you will well i don't think of it as the flu i think of it as something they don't really know too much information Mm -hmm. about and i don't think we're out of it actually i think we're still very much in it i came home to a sick husband it's very contagious (laughs) and real and there are still children that are getting very sick that can't get that can get this and die. And I know people who got BA5 who are very sick, not little sick, very sick. And really? so, yes. And, and also when I get sick, if I were to get sick, I lose money. I can't work. 
So I know people who have gotten sick from this, who have been out of work and back into a quarantine of five days, and then they come out, they test positive, and then they test, um, they test negative, and then they test positive again. So that's 10 days of work that I would be missing. So from a financial um, wow, I never didn't think of it. I really yeah. think that it's important to know that you will lose money. And yep. in the industry that I'm in, it, it requires that I'm in front of a lot of people. So I have a responsibility and I also have um, a responsibility to keep their jobs going as well. So let's say I get hired for an acting job and I test positive. Guess what? I lose that job. So it's it's a financial reason and it's also a health reason. And then they have said that long COVID, um, they don't really know yet when long COVID can affect your lungs from getting this virus not once but twice or even once. So some people have lungs that look like cheddar cheese or Swiss cheese, I mean, um, from long COVID and it can develop over time. So as a person who's had the risk of dying from breast cancer, mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, your um, health and maintaining it is super important. And that time that I spent away from performing because I had to deal with my health was a difficult time. And I don't want to go through that again. So yeah. for me, when they offer a vaccine that is resistant to the the uh, variants, I'll feel a little bit better about taking off the mask. And I think they are working on that. We had Suba who was on the show the last time and she mentioned that they are really working on that. And I think by September, they should have. That's why Biden is like, um, you don't have to get this vaccine right now. Wait until September because we'll have a better one because they just don't know. Yeah. And that's science. And I'm patient for science. But while they're figuring it out, I will be wearing a mask. I, and I'll say this right now too, Marina, when I finally got COVID, cause I was as cautious as you, when I finally got it in May, end of May, it financially ruined me. Cause I had all the money I was going to make for June. I did not make it, I was like ruined, like to the point where I had to get a grant just to pay my rent. It was so bad because we're in an industry where it's like, oh, all the stuff that I'm doing to make money are it's this week and it's next week. And I was sick for those two weeks because I was testing positive for 14 days. So yes. it was horrible. I It was the worst time I could have possibly got it. Yeah. And I'm lucky because I don't have a family that I can bring it home to. I didn't realize how easier it was, how much easier it is for me that I'm single until I went home to visit my family. And I was like, these motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to your own family members. <laughs> these motherfuckers is coming up in. The little girl was like sneezing in my face. I was like, get out of here. And I was I'm like, like <laughs> it's, it's hard with a family. You, you know, you have to deal with so many more individuals. And so the pattern of my life right now is moving in a single space. And, and very protective. And I do realize that's so, somewhat restrictive and it's going to be difficult to meet someone. <laughs> also, I'm worried about monkeypox. Oh, I'm oh, so worried about that. Because I got I'm shingles when I was 12. So I'm like susceptible as hell to like all those old chicken pox thingies. I, yeah. I was a 12 year old that almost went blind from shingles on my forehead. So the idea of monkeypox terrifies me. 
terrifying. You know my face is all I got. I can't get anything on my face like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are ways, there are ways around it. Cause you can't tell that I had, um, you can't tell that I had shingles and I'm makeup on right now, but you can't tell anymore. It took like maybe two years for the scars to be completely gone. Oh my God. But it took two years. And I was a kid. I wasn't wearing makeup back then. So I was a child got, model. You, you got chicken pox first <laughs> and then you got shingles? So I got chicken pox too young. And that's why I got shingles when I was, so I was exposed to someone who had chicken pox when I was like in fourth grade. And then, well, so I guess I was younger than 11, but yeah. And then I got it and it mostly affected my face, just like all these pictures of monkey pox. So I'm just like, no, ma'am, I can't get that. <laughs> no ma'am <laughs> and it hurts like people are only talking about how it changes your physical appearance but from what I remember of shingles like I was I was like allergic to dogs all of a sudden my allergies were heightened they were worried I was gonna have brain damage they were worried I was gonna go blind it's very it's more serious than people are saying it, it's way more serious than people are saying so it's not just about oh you're gonna be ugly two people died from it and there's a baby that has it. But the thing is, is like there is a vaccine that's available. The but I do, I do think that for me, wearing a mask is the easiest thing you could do. It doesn't bother me. I'm so mm -hmm. used to it. It's I say good habits become good to keep and they become ones you keep. Bad habits are hard to break, you know. Yeah. So it's just become a habit that I, I don't mind doing. And I, I get really good masks and I change it. And I wear them right. And for now, it's working. And so far, I have not gotten COVID, not once. So it seems to be working. Who knows? We'll yeah. see what happens. I always say knock on wood because it... Yeah. Know. Wear long wanna... sleeves and long pants, too, for the monkey puck. Because people have already been sending me pictures on the train and, and public oh, transportation. Where people, like, clearly have it. And they're just, like, on there with shorts on. So just wear, like, long sleeves, long pants. Ew. Yeah. That's gross. All right. So we Marina. do have to get out on that gross thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I want to thank you all so much for joining us today. Don't get mocky monkeypox. I was saying mocky monkeypox. Zawadi, tell yes. our listeners where they can find you. All right. So you can find me at um, www. <laughs> BK <laughs> BKreader.com. So it's B as in Brooklyn, K as in Kite Reader.com. You can also follow me on all three platforms Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. <clears throat> and yeah, with friends like us, you get a glimpse of the world in one hour. And I appreciate that. And don't even have to travel. Wow. <laughs> nice. No okay. You can find me at noyecomedy.com, N-O-N-Y-E comedy.com. I'm opening for Zainab at the end of the month, um, the 18th through the 20th or 21st in D.C., always in D.C. <laughs> awesome. at the Comedy Loft there. So that'll be fun. And with friends like us, you can, yours was so good. I don't even <laughs> With friends like us, you can, um, Michael B. Jordan might date you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. <laughs> Nina? 
Oh man, now I've now I gotta top that one. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm headlining Caroline's on August 25th. Yeah. So please come. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Nina Carufa. Just figure out how to spell it. <laughs> yes. I'll probably be tagged in this. Um, and with friends like us, we'll always forgive you. We'll uh-huh. always forgive you. Okay. Yes. Yay. Marina Franklin here. Go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Go to my link tree. And also, as you now know, you can go to the Patreon and be a backstage as Stacy. Thank you so much, Stacy, for joining us today. Oh, yeah. She says, with friends like us, you can feel like a part of a welcoming community with smart, funny women who open your world and touch your heart. Damn. Stacy. That, that'll be my <laughs> friends like us. I'm a, I'm a steal from, I'm a steal from the white woman. <laughs> <laughs> but also with friends like us, you get the best stock tips. And you know what you should invest in? Women of color. All right. Check, Check us out. out. <laughs>